What's up, everybody? We are back. Welcome to Real Chronicles, brought to you by RealTalking.com. I am your host, David. I am joined with just the men today. What's up, Ryan? What's up? The temp. And <laughs> and just Leo back with us again. Jenny yeah. is nowhere to be found because there is only about two women in the film we're covering today. So she decided not to even bother because one of the women in the film happens to have one of the worst performances in the history of film. If, that's, that, that's being kind. And if that tease didn't help, we are covering the 30th anniversary of The Godfather Part 3. After we covered Goodfellas last week, I figured let's bookend April with covering the two mob films of the 1990s. But before we get into that, let's get into the news because there is a lot to cover news-wise this week. First off, The Rock and Issa Rae are joining forces for an HBO show on Backyard Wrestling. I kind of dig it. Backyard yeah. Wrestling. It's funny. We've had like a lot of shows about wrestling, especially recently with the Big Show show and that main event uh, movie. We've never had a real com. I think it's going to be a comedy, a real comedy about uh backyard wrestling yeah true right have you ever backyard wrestled um i mean when we were kids that we went to, we used to go down to the track mats in the high school and we used to just beat the crap out of each other there that's the closest we did to backyard <laughs> <laughs> leo i can assume you have never backyard wrestled no dude so actually my me and my boys had our own league like we had like a title we had like it, we we were all in on this but you had a federation yeah, so ours, ours was, and you're gonna love this. We called ours the Batman League. <laughs> nice. We would, we, we had the, like, it was around the time of like the whole um, Attitude Era in yeah. the WWE. So we had the 24 7 belt that we would have to defend during school. So <laughs> we would have official matches um, in the bathroom. And you know, the rules were that you had to have the two competitors and the third member had to be the ref. Um,. And then to this day, the bell still is still live. Um, but yeah, definitely background. Yeah, back, back, backyard wrestling was huge for me. I am offended that as a friend since high school, I was not included in this league. Oh, dude, it was so it was um it was mainly from uh, I think it was like maybe from like fifth through fifth through eighth grade. Then in high school, we matured a little. No, we didn't. <laughs> we had none of us had matured since high school. <laughs> No, but then, like, in college, it came back. Like, all the guys got back together after college, and, like, the belt has changed hands within the last, like, five years. You know what this reminds <laughs> me of? It's it's not wrestling-wise, but have you guys seen the movie Tag? Not yet. It's, not yet. I think you guys would love it. I actually really, really dug it because, you know, like you just said, you stopped for a little bit, and then you just started again. That's pretty much Tag. It's it's a fun movie. That that's pretty awesome. Um, The Rock and Issa Rae are not going to be starring in it, so outside of that, I am looking forward to it. Uh, next up, I'm actually excited for this. We have some uh, f- films that are moving to digital, one of them being Scoob. I thought I would have to wait for that. I am actually looking forward to Scoob. I may be the only one. Nah, dude, it looks, the cast is really awesome, too. Yeah, and, and by Ryan's silence, I think it's me and you. No, I'm down for Scooby. Like I've always been a fan, but there's a lot. It's a lot of Scooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> I lose track. I'm like, all right, where are we now? I think this is a prequel. Do we still hate Scrappy? Like I remember for a while, no, everyone no, no, hated Scrappy. I, I hate Scrappy. I <laughs> okay. Scrappy is awful. Scrappy is like 
when when Fonzie and Happy Days jumped a shark, and that's where the term came from. That you yes. just didn't know what you had you, you were gonna do. That's what when Scrappy Doo came to Scooby Doo. Yeah, Scrappy's like cousin Oliver. Yes, cousin Oliver. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I actually think this may be a day one rental. I'm gonna give them my money and just uh, give it a look. Uh, next bit of news. I am not a huge fan of this franchise, but The Hunger Games is coming back. Yeah, a prequel, right? Prequel, yes. A prequel film is in the works, so I am immediately out because that means Jennifer Lawrence will not be in it, and that that's the reason I even watched The Hunger Games to begin with. <laughs> I Actually, I'm, all, all jokes aside, I did like the, the, the movies as a whole, the whole franchise. I did think... Um, Harry Potter doing so well, being able to split Deathly Hallows Part One and Two, really fucked up other franchises because they felt like they had to split up the last film. Harry, Harry Potter did it because it was like a thousand-page book. Yep. And that last, um, the last Hunger Games is the weakest one of the bunch because they split it up into two. So, uh, obviously, with everything going on outside, it's not like we're going to get this movie anytime soon. But it is currently in the works. Now, the news that I wanted to really touch on was, and this is I this is why I wish Jenny was on here just to get her take on it. So, a little bit of Star Wars news: Mandalorian season three is already in the works. Season two uh-huh. should be out in hopefully October, twenty twenty. So we'll see what happens with that. But a new female centric Star Wars show is on the way, coming to Disney Plus. Thoughts? Nice. nice. I I'll take all the Star Wars. I'm good. <laughs> who, who, do yeah, you, is... who do you think is the lead? Do you think it's a brand new character? Or do you think it'll be a completely new set of characters? Uh, and the, if they're smart, they just do a whole new set of characters. You have a giant galaxy you can have fun with. So why not just make original characters, keep the original content coming and coming? And if you want, then you can tie it all in at one point. Leo, what do you think? Yeah, I agree exactly with Rai. I think um, I think uh, original characters with Mandalorian prove that they can make it, and they can make so much money off of new stuff with like with marketing. And if they really, I mean, if they really want to, you can maybe pull an obscure character from like Clone Wars or Rebels if you want. But I'm cool with fresh, fresh material. I agree with you, Leo. I think introducing new characters and not it not introducing those characters from the film series more in the animated series i think it's a smart move uh create original characters and then bring those animated characters into live action i think that would work really really well for disney plus so looking forward to seeing what happens there uh next bit of news is regarding uh movements in dates in the heights is moving from 2020 to 2021 so it's moving from June 2020 to June 2021. A lot of people that were pushing this as a potential Oscar player thought it was going to move into the end of the year. But with West Side Story coming out, I don't think they want to put In the Heights with a musical that everyone knows. Because In yeah. the Heights is more a Broadway fave. It's not a, a culturally popular musical the way West Side Story is. So it's a smart move. And I think it shows that that movie's more of a summer film than a actual Oscar players. So next up is Marvel. More Marvel changes. So Spider Man 3 is now releasing November 5th, 2021. Uh, next up, Thor has been moved up to February 11, 2022. And now Doctor Strange has been moved from 2021 into 2022, March 25th. I. 
I I just want the MCU back, man. <laughs> yeah, and I and I think I heard that this this last move was actually kickstarted because Sony had to move their Venom movie. So it's like now everything is getting all messy. It's it's um it was more evident this week with the fact that we're a year removed from a much happier place and Avengers celebrating a year from its release that we are now <laughs> going on almost a year without a Marvel film for the first time in 12 years. So this is, this is, this is a lot. I, uh, I'm, 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 I'm ready for anything. I just need, and now it'll be till November. So I just need Black Widow to get here as soon as possible. Uh, on top of that, you mentioned Venom before Venom moves to June, 2021. Unfortunately, because it's moving to June, 2021, it's taken the place of the Batman, which has moved to October 2021. That one makes more sense. They're nowhere near <laughs> done, so I, 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 it sucks. But at least it's only moving three months rather than another whole year. So yep. it's a it's a interesting take bo- uh, box office wise because I think now with the Batman moving to October, it's now competing with Halloween. The last halloween next year so that'll be an interesting box office battle i think batman best comic book geeks versus horror geeks we'll see who comes out on top there (laughs) all right so that's where's your heart go (laughs) my heart goes to the bat however um they're not the same week so i can show love like two or three times to the bat in one weekend and then show love two or three times to halloween the following week there you go. <laughs> so, all right. So let's go into quarantine highlights, quarantine watch highlights. I have a few this week, but I'll I'll let Ryan kick it off. I saw uh, Zombieland Double Tap finally. How uneventful um, was that? Yeah, exactly. I was just say, very <laughs> forgettable. <laughs> I was very disappointed um, with that, to be honest with you. Yeah, the best part was the very, very end, in my opinion, like post credit scene. Yep, I agree. But uh, uh, and I did check out Society, like you yes! suggested. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy we can talk about this now. Um, Leo, obviously you had you didn't get a chance, right? No, no, oh, no. I, okay, I stayed away. <laughs> Ryan, tell me how amazing Society is, and tell me no, you watched it, was... it with Casey. I ain't watch it with Casey. No, I watched it by myself. <laughs> and... Go ahead. No, I enjoyed every second of it. It was so. <laughs> and what pisses me off is because on Shutter, you, you know, a lot of them they let you look at. If you like this movie, you'll like this. There's nothing for society. It's all reviews, at least on mine. I want to see. There's yeah. I, I'm... I've been watching a lot of movies on Shutter. Um, there is nothing on Shutter that is as close or even resembles society. Um. I also on Shutter saw Little Deaths. Okay. Yeah, that was an interesting little anthology. What did you um, think of? I do want to ask since we're you mentioned society. What did you think of the orgy? Very interesting. <laughs> 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 to say the very least. <laughs> I, were you high when you just when you yeah. watched? Yeah. <laughs> There is. Nice um, I don't know if you guys remember from, and I'm, 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 I blame myself for not mentioning this last week. Um, do you guys remember Monster Vision on TNT that used to uh, was hosted by Joe Briggs? 
No. So no. Monster Vision used to actually play after wrestling sometimes and on Friday nights. And what happens was he would introduce the movie and then they show the movie. And in between commercials, he would have commentary on the movie. They I um they're on Shutter now. The show went uh was revived on Shutter. Season two started this week. Uh, season one has an episode on society and it is hilarious. They just check it out. it's so like you don't even need to see the movie right. If you just go skim through the commentary, it's probably like 35 minutes. It's nothing too crazy. But just okay. their, their take on it is hilarious. And yeah, when, what do you think when you saw the butthead? Um, well, it was, I was already prepared for it. So for me, I was like, okay, that was interesting. <laughs> I just, I, I need Leo to, I need Leo to get on this. <laughs> I, after, I, after, after view with skew, I may go for it. I would, l- I just want your opinion. I, I, I think I want Jenny to see it too. Now, I think the world needs to see society. <laughs> I think it's just such an amazing, amazing hour and a half. Um, all right, Rye, sorry to cut you off. What else did you see? Uh, like I said, the three little death anthology, the little death anthology, um, double tap, and I'm just gaming. That's really been it. Nice. What about you, Leo? Uh, cool. Yeah. So for me, I um I I am all caught up on Ozark. Uh, season three was incredible. Uh, Tom Pelfrey's character Ben steals the show. Um, if anyone's a fan of the show, definitely recommend it. If you haven't seen it, definitely recommend it. Um, also, um, I rewatched uh, Half Blood Prince and Deathly Hollows Part One and Two. Um, and it's funny because Dave, like everything, ever since you mentioned like the similarities between Deathly Hollows One and Two with Endgame and Infinity War, it sticks out more and more and more. Like oh, yeah. Deathly Hollows, how it's split, it's it feels like two individual movies as part of one giant narrative, and it's done so well. Yeah, and it's um, funny because. Um... When I first thought of Deathly Hallows Part 1 as Infinity War, obviously, I will say Deathly Hallows Part 1 is nowhere as good as Infinity War. Endgame and Deathly Hallows Part 2 are right neck and neck. They're both excellent. Um, but there is death in, in Deathly Hallows Part 1, so it's not as severe as the snap, but there is death with Dobby yeah. dying. Yeah, and I think I think I even mentioned to you like offline that it's like, um, the way the narrative is built, like... Uh, Infinity War ends on the villain victorious, mm-hmm. and that's the same way uh, Deathly Hollows Part One ends. Yep. It ends with Voldemort victorious, um, which makes the second part so much more like the inspired. Um, yeah, um, Stacy keeps reading the books, so I keep watching the movies. Shout out to um, Stacy. Hopefully, I get we get your take once everything is over. Yeah, uh, and then um, Jenny actually recommended it. Uh, this past week, I posted something on my Instagram that New York Comic Con was like telling you to put your favorite things on animated gifts. Uh, my favorite book of all time is Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury, but I had never seen the movie mm-hmm. and recommended it. The 1966 version, um, I watched it. I thought it was pretty cool, but it was wild because in 1966, they had to put in this dystopian future and like much like when we watch Back to the Future Two, it's like, oh wow, this is what the past thought the future would be like. Did they hit on some things? Um, I, I like Julie Christie's uh, performance the most. She played like the main female character. Um, then I watched uh, Extraction, which I know you you'll you'll have a little bit more information on too. Yep. I liked it. I thought it was very reminiscent of like 1990s Michael Bay with like. But nope. a little, like, but a little better, a little better, a little better, but a little yeah, better. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but like the John Wick fight scenes were really cool. Um, I rewatched Ant Man and the Wasp, 
Infinity War and also like you mentioned the like the anniversary, I watched Endgame and I watched it with the director commentary. So there's like a whole new element of notes and stuff to geek out about. Nice. Yeah, and after that, I just rewatched the movie we're going to talk about later. Nice. All right, so for me, I saw Extraction. Uh, I agree with you. It's it's not a bad movie. It's not Michael Bay bad. It's good. I like. I, I, I reviewed it for the site. It'll be up later in the week, pretty much. I think the action sequences are some of the best I've seen since probably John Wick. It's really, really good stuff. Um, you, The stunt director for Avengers is the director of the movie. Yeah. So you can tell that the action sequences are from from Marvel are sprinkled all over here. Um, outside of that, there's no real character development, so you really can't root for anybody except uh, Chris Hemsworth looking beautiful as always. <laughs> and um, that's about all I had to say about Extraction. The review will be up this week. I did see Bad Education, the Allison Janney and uh, Hugh Jackman film that just released yesterday. It's so good. It's so yeah. good. Outside of Invisible Man, it's probably the best movie of the year so far. It's solid stuff. It really touches on the back-ended corruption that goes on in our education system. It's based on a true story. And living in the area we're living in, that is prevalent around here. So it no one does anything. So it just shows how even back then in two, early 2000s, how how much corruption in, in the school system took, took effect. Um, I saw The Last Dance, first two parts of the Michael Jordan documentary. Right now it is could be the best thing i watch all year once we get to the end of it but there's not really much to touch on as of now and then i saw the death of superman lives i've never ever 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 wanted that timber and superman movie more than i want it now <laughs> where'd you find that by the way so i actually met the director who has since passed away um five years ago at comic-con and i had known about the documentary because kevin smith had is in it he's in mm -hmm. it a lot because he wrote the first script so I bought the documentary and I saw it in passing and I honestly, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't paying too, too much attention at the time to it, but I watched it on Friday and it's so, so deep in terms of what they were going to do and how far along in the process they were. But Warner Brothers being Warner Brothers made bad choice after bad choice after bad choice in terms of flops. And because of all those flops, they weren't able to give Superman uh, lives the money. So... The, the project was shelved so it had nothing to do with the film itself it had to do with everything else around it with the studio not doing well ironically after and i'm going to get into more of the details about uh the superman lives home in a second but the ironic is the ironic thing is that the movie that they chose to put the money into after they canceled superman was actually wild wild west oh my lord which was another flop so um the reason I say that I want it more than ever now is because, honestly, we haven't had a great Superman movie since the 1970s. And it's one of those things that maybe what that character needed was what Tim Burton was going to do and make it completely weird and fucking apeshit. Because if if what he said were to come true, it, like, it would have been fucking apeshit. We probably would have been talking about it today. So, Whoa. like... Uh, Superman was going to get killed in the beginning of the movie by Doomsday, but Doomsday wasn't going to look the way he looked in the comics. He was just going to have a whole bunch of different faces on his body. 
Oh wow! And then he his main face was going to go into morph into people Clark and Superman knew before he kills him. <laughs> um, That's dope. <laughs> Superman was also going to have a robotic best friend named <laughs> named K. And then when Superman is brought back to life, because uh, he does come back to life in the comics, so when he's brought back to life, that's um, his best friend. I think it's K or something along those lines. He can tr- metaf- he could transform into different things, and he transforms into his lifeline. Like he keeps him alive after he dies until he's powerful enough to come back and you know do what he needs to do. That would have been really, really interesting to see just like him, Clark, just like hanging on a, like a giant machine for a few for a few minutes of the movie. Um, the main villain was going to be oh, was it supposed to be Luthor. And I can't remember who the other one was at the moment, but it was um, Christopher Walken was set to play the villain. So, I mean, it, there's a lot of good stuff in there that would at least be interesting. Because the one thing Superman is not is interesting. That's <laughs> true. And the costume, I, I post, posted a picture yesterday because I know you guys have seen that other one, the one with like, like the the costume fitting one. Have you yeah. have you guys had seen that final product of the Nicolas Cage Superman suit or no? Or was that yesterday the first time when I showed you guys? Yeah, when you when you posted it, it was my first time seeing it, and it looks good, right? I think it looks, it looks great. Good. It looks good. Well, a question about the Christopher Walken thing, though, because um, I think you mentioned that there was some interest in maybe doing like a crossover with the Burton Batman. I think. No, I was saying that the suit that uh, Nicolas Cage wore in the final, the final suit for the movie, look resembles the Batman suit, like with the abs and stuff. That- I don't. I think when I, when you're talking about like meant going forward with Batman, I meant after Batman and Robin. But I think since that everything was shelved after that, this is pretty much like a standalone movie. Okay, cool. Because I was wondering how like the Christopher Walken between Shrek and this would have played out. But I guess it's just maybe a little like a fanboy dream kind of thing. Yes, um, I think the fact that we would have had Luthor too, the fact that we would have had um, uh, Doomsday, and I just I just looked it up, Brainiac. So Christopher Walken was going to play Brainiac. Oh wow! I can see that. This would have been awesome for Brainiac, right? Like I'm listening, I'm watching these, I'm I'm watching this documentary, and I'm like, God damn you, fucking Warner Brothers, man! <laughs> fucking <laughs> Warner Brothers. And it's funny because I, at the time, Chris uh, Nicholas Cage had just won an Oscar, so the casting made perfect choice, perfect sense at the time in terms of like you're gonna get a big name guy that just won an Oscar, so on and so forth. It would I. I think in an era that we live in that we I personally don't judge casting anymore after Keaton, after Affleck, after Ledger. I think I I would have loved to see what happens. I would have absolutely loved to see what happens. Unfortunately, we didn't get it. Um, documentary covers everything as to why. Kevin Smith is very, very upfront as to what happened with his script and how uh, the producer, who was also the producer on Batman 89, made Kevin go over his house and read him the script while, while the producer just lied down and listened to him. Like, he made him read it like a bedtime story. <laughs> so that's what I watched this week. Um, Ryan, to answer your question, the documentary is streaming. I just have to, I have to get you 
where exactly it's streaming on, but I can get that for you. All right, cool. So let's get into the 30th anniversary of The Godfather Part 3. And I'm not, I have not asked the guys this before. Is this the first time you guys have seen The Godfather Part 3? First time in a long time. Like, it felt like the first time pretty much because I haven't seen it since I was a kid. What about you, Leo? Actually, I um I think I rewatched the trilogy within like a year or two. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, no, definitely not the the first time. No. What do you guys uh, think? Did you guys think it was a bad movie per se, or compared to the other two? Obviously, it's not up to par. Ryan, what do you what do you did you think? Yeah, like you said, it's not up to par. I won't call it a bad movie. It's just you know if it didn't have that first part, you know, The Godfather. If it was any other thing, maybe it would be considered better because I didn't have any problem with any part of the movie. Honestly, I enjoyed myself throughout the entire viewing experience last night. Yeah. I, I think uh, before we get to Leo, I agree with you. I think it's, I think it's a good movie. I think it's a very flawed movie and we'll get to what, what I think is extremely flawed later, but there's a lot of great stuff in it. When I was doing what's age best, I kept writing stuff down because there's a lot of stuff that I really, really liked. Uh, What about you, Leo? Yeah, similar to what you guys mentioned. I didn't think it was a terrible movie. Like, I can think of terrible movies. Like, we... We, we covered the, them. Uh, <laughs> we did the whole <laughs> thing. <laughs> and we even did our guilty pleasures list. But this wasn't a terrible movie. It, had, it just didn't live up to the, to the expectations. I think this is, like, the quintessential from, like, all three of our fandoms, right? I think this was one of the ones that's, like, it just, it just let people down. And that's why they remember it so poorly. But yeah, there's a lot of quotable moments, a lot of awesome performances. It's just it's not terrible. Yeah, there's a, there's a few terrible things, but the movie itself, it's not terrible. Like it doesn't affect me from still thinking it's it making it my favorite trilogy, like of all time. That's it, you know, it's that's how great the first two are. But this one is it's not a Dexter ending. That's that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's kick it off by going through. Uh, uh, two comments from our from the Real Talk Instagram regarding the film. I posted a, a post earlier this week asking if anyone had seen it and what are their thoughts. So, Surfing Through Cinema said, spoiler alert, I like the ending of it. It parallels the death of Vito Corleone, who died while in the garden with his grandson. Only the difference with this one is Michael is all alone with no family and no one with him. Very interesting despite how mediocre the movie may be to some. And Bardwell123 said, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. So I guess he liked that moment in the movie. So let's kick it off talking about the production. Uh, There's not much controversy towards the production. The casting there is, and we'll get to that later. But in terms of the production, uh, Coppola felt that the first two films had told the complete Corleone saga. Uh, Coppola intended part three to be an, an epilogue for the first two films. So he doesn't view part three as the third chapter. He feels it. He views it as an epilogue in a book kind of uh, situation. Uh, in the actual audio, com- audio commentary for part two, he stated that the only reason that the movie was made because of the dire financial situation that he was in after the failure of, of 1982's One from Heart, One from the Heart, which compelled him to take on Paramount's longstanding offer to make the third installment. Now, 
I was going to put this in the fun facts, but I figured this is perfect for the production aspect of it. Coppola did not want to name the movie The Godfather Part 3. Do you know what he wanted to name it? Yeah, actually, I did. Uh, I, I um, He wanted to name it, um, I think it was like The Death of, uh, of Michael Corleone. Yep. So he wanted to name it that, him and Mario Puzo, but Paramount found that unacceptable and needed the film to be called Godfather Part 3, which is... I see both sides. I absolutely see both sides of it. On one end, if Coppola is looking at this as an epilogue, of course, you, let's not call it The Godfather Part 3. You know, give it to something else. But under Paramounts, the only way this movie is going to make money is if it's called The Godfather Part 3. So uh, in regards to the cast, Al Pacino, Diane Key, and Tyler Shire reprised their roles for the first two from the first two films. According to Coppola's audio commentary on The, on the Godfather, Robert Duvall refused to take part unless he was paid a salary comparable to to Pacino. In 2004, uh, on an interview with 60 Minutes, Duvall said that if they paid Pacino twice what they paid me, that's fine, but not three or four times, which is what they did. So (sighs) Duvall not being in the movie is very noticeable, and George Hamilton is not a good substitution for Robert Duvall. Um, (laughs) When Duvall dropped out, Coppola rewrote the entire screenplay to portray Tom Hagen as having died before the story began and then created the character B.J. Harrison, played by George Hamilton, to replace Hagen's character in the story. The original film was actually supposed to have Tom Hagen heavily involved in the, in the story of the film. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Um, He was going to be dealing with the Corleone Charities, which in turn deals with all the the doings with the church. Uh, the first draft of the script had been written by da- Dean Reisner in 1979, based on a story by Mario Puzo. The script centered around Michael Corleone's son, Anthony, a naval officer working for the CIA, and the Corleone family's involvement in a plot, assassin- a plot to assassinate a Central American dictator. Almost none of the elements of the script actually carried over to the final product. So that's pretty much all the behind the scenes of the production of the film. There's not really too much controversy per se as of yet uh we'll get to that issues with sofia coppola a little later in terms of the box office uh the movie premiered on december 20th 1990 and it went worldwide on christmas day in 1990 uh godfather budget was 54 million dollars and for a movie of this magnitude it still made 136 million dollars so I think it did okay at the box office with the type of movie it is. It's a three-hour movie about a mob family. <laughs> I think it did pretty well. Cinema score, despite the fact that you know a lot of people view it in a certain way nowadays, it still has a B plus on Cinema Score. And Rotten Tomatoes, it is actually fresh at sixty-one percent. So it's still not as hated as it as people think it is. In terms of the trophy room, it was nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor in a Supporting Role, Best uh, Original Song, Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography, and Best Film Editing. It won none of that. What's missing here? Al Pacino and Lead Actor. What the fuck? DGA, uh, Francis Ford was in. At the Globes, it was nominated for Picture, Director, Actor, Supporting actor, screenplay, original score, original song. But it did win some awards at the Razzies. Sophia Coppola won Worst 
Supporting Actress, and Sofia Coppola won Worst New Star. In terms of the uh, any other recognitions, it's actually uh, recognized by the AFI on these lists. It's two, uh, 2005's AFI 100 Years 100 Movie co- Quotes. Just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. Hell yeah, nice. That's a great quote. All right, so let's get to our fun categories here. Leo, what's age best? Uh, age best, the score. Jeez, bro, that score is amazing. Yes, <laughs> it's still it's still great. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I think Andy Garcia's whole uh, his whole storyline of like the bastard son wanting to get like recognition, get back into the family. I think that's I think it still it still makes sense on a lot of stuff you watch today. Um, Andy Garcia's hairy chest, I think. Age three. <laughs> I actually have that as age worse. <laughs> it's one yeah. of my age worse, man. That shit is fucking awful. That's great, <laughs> bro. I, like, I just didn't see. I just didn't see it coming. I'm like, is he wearing a sweater? <laughs> <laughs> um, the helicopter hit. I love. Yes. I think it's like a very intense. Uh, it's like an like, elaborate, crazy, over the top murder, and I thought that was really cool. Um, I think Michael suffering from diabetes was pretty cool too. I think that's still relevant now. Okay. Um, any any scene with Vinny and Michael together, I think aged really well. Yep. Um, and the uh, the montage ending, I think I still really really like. Yep. Where you see the little glimpses of all the other movies. That for me, that that's what aged the best. All right. What about you, Ray? Uh, I have a simply the score and the end. Okay. They both for me stood out the best. So uh, before I get into my best, um. I do have some notes that I took down, not that many, but I took down some notes from um, my watching of the film last week. So opening shot of Tahoe, I think it was an effective way to bring back, bring this, uh, us back into the world of the Corleone family, especially after the 14, 15 year gap from the films. So you're able to see how Tahoe looked when no one was there anymore. Um, I still hate Fredo being dead. Just wanted to put that out there. Uh, the where am I? Oh, leather leather jacket with a shirt and tie and slacks. Bold choice by Andy Garcia. Uh, I actually really like. I don't know if you guys noticed that Vince's mom is actually the same actress that Sonny was having an affair with in Godfather One. Uh, Sophia Sophia Coppola's performance still stinks. Uh, rel- do relatives always kiss in a movie? What the fuck? And then here we go. Andy Garcia's chest hair. Who in the, their right mind told him that was a good look? <laughs> it is, I, uh, as a man, I gotta ask you, you and you and Leo, uh, you and Leo here, you guys don't have hairy chests like that, right? Not like that, no. No, no, I, I mean, nah. But it's funny though because I, I think the reason I have it on age is the best. Although you are right, it aged very badly. Because <laughs> most men manscape, right? That's like a norm for most men now. So like seeing a dude with like that much freaking hair, it's like it's like it's like it's like seeing a freaking bigfoot. <laughs> oh my god, it's so it's so true because um it's funny because I don't full disclosure, I don't shave my chest, but I my facial hair grows really, really quick. My I can grow a full beard in like a month. But I my chest hair I haven't touched in years and I barely have any chest hair. So it's just crazy when I see something like that in a movie. And I, I always forget every time it comes up. And when I watch Godfather 3, I'm like, oh, there it is. Yeah, dude. It's like it comes out because like, even if you've seen it before, 
you're still not prepared for how much it is. It's so much. Like, how does, like, women he sleeps with or before, like, yo, trim the fuck out of that thing. And uh-huh. it's not like Andy Garcia's got, like, crazy beard hair or anything either. He's, he's so clean. Yeah, he's so clean. It's like you meet this guy at a bar. And then, you know, <laughs> she's like, oh, he's handsome. He's in a suit. He's clean cut. No beard. No mustache. You get back to his place. He takes off his shirt. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, if I was the lady, I'd leave. Be like, no, that's uncomfortable. Like, imagine, like, he's on top of her doing the deed, and all she's like, she's like having a hard time to breathe with that fucking chest hair. Like sandpaper on the body. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I swear, I didn't, I didn't think we were going to dissect Andy Garcia's chest hair the way we did, but it's, it's got to be said. Like, I, I hope someone told him. Uh, but yeah, going back to what's age the best, you guys both main- mentioned it. The final montage after Mary's death is it's excellent. It is so damn fucking good. Uh, Mary's death as a whole, I think, really works on at age is best because that's Michael's ultimate punishment for all the sins that he did throughout his life. I think that really, really hits home. Um, Talia Shire and Andy Garcia's performances. I think Talia Shire is extremely underrated in this movie. She's so, so good. Uh, I love the stuff in Little Italy with Joey Zaza's death. I think that's really good. I like the scene with Joey Zaza, Vincent, and Michael where um, Vincent uh, bites off his ear, a piece of his ear. Uh, The Atlantic City shootout. Love it. Uh, Michael with saying, just when I thought it was out, they pull me back in. And this is very subtle, but if you've noticed in Godfather 1, 2, and even 3, Michael never loses his temper. But this time in this scene where they went against his word to kill Zaza, when he's like, I command this family right or wrong, it is not what I wanted! I think that showing Michael losing his temper but realizing it right away, he's like, no, no, let me calm down. I'm always in control. I think that really aged well. I'm going to kick off age worse. Uh, Michael gets control of the Immobilare, but nothing is ever addressed about it after after Mary gets killed. It just ends. What the fuck happened with Immobilare, as they say in the movie? Um, am I missing something? Or is incest a really big thing in films and TV? Because the incest angle has aged so, so poorly. Even as a kid, when I first saw this movie, I was like 15. I was like, well, that doesn't... I've never been attracted to my cousin a day in my life. What the fuck is going on here? And no offense. All right, and this is... Sofia Coppola is... She's she's fine, but she's not, oh my God, drop down gorgeous. And I'm like going to... Like what the fuck, man? Like Game of, and then like twenty years later, Game of Thrones has this incest thing going on. Like, what is going on with these incest storylines? Yeah, but to be fair though, on Game of Thrones, it's thrown in there to make you dislike the characters more. Like it's like, oh, you know, the incest thing is like a, it's disgusting, it's bad. Like I think the Lannisters are mainly known for it. Or later on in the show, like here, it seems like wait a minute, we're supposed to be rooting for this guy. I don't. I don't know how this makes me feel. And not for nothing, I don't. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. Like, like Mary pushed up on Vincent. Yes, he, she, she, absolutely. She entrapped him. 
She's like, are you supposed to, don't you have to always kiss your cousin? I'm like, no, I don't. I I do not have to kiss my cousin, like, ever. Like, <laughs> let alone, like, my, like, first cousin. I'm like, I I don't know when they were writing a script how that makes any sense. And honestly, my um Mary dies because of Michael's sins. He, Vincent didn't do anything that led to her um death. So their relationship in the end really has no payoff good or bad it's just there and it makes the only thing i guess you want to call a payoff is that he has to give her up to become the don that's 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 about it it's it, it's weird it's just so weird you know that the way the way the filming is the way like the like even the acting by sophia like isn't it like it's supposed to be a dis- difficult decision but as a viewer you're pretty much on like the this is not a tough choice no even even so like sophia is so bad in this even if they weren't cousins even as love interests i'm like i'm good i'm good i'll go i'll, I'll go home now I don't, I don't really need i'll go with bridget fonda i really got i got no i got nothing to do here um and yeah uh the last two things that really age worse outside of uh what i mentioned before more hair michael's hair and Kay's hairstyle. Listen, off the line, Jenny knows I'm a big fan of Al Pacino's hair. I think Al Pacino has magnificent, wonderful hair, even at age 80. And the fact that they just gave him that, I don't like buzz cuts. <laughs> I never was a fan of them. So he had great hair in Godfather 1 and 2. Why didn't you just keep that? Especially with, if you guys remember, we spoke about Heat a few months back. In Heat, he has the hair I would have expected him to have in Godfather. And then Kay's hairstyle is awful. It's just fucking terrible. I I got nothing. Oh, one last thing on Age Best that I forgot. Uh, Michael and Kay in Sicily. I like their when they go to when they're uh, go to the town in Sicily. I really enjoyed that. All right, guys. Leo, what has aged worse for you? Well, it's funny, bro. Like I I thought I was gonna be the only one to mention Michael's hair. But that's like <laughs> was the first thing that I kind of noticed, and I'm like, because with, with the hairstyle, I want it to seem like an evolution of the character, right? Agreed. And this seemed like it was like an abrupt, like this is a whole different person. Um, I didn't like. I wasn't a fan of the hair. Um, I creepy incest is number one on my list, though. Creepy <laughs> incest. Um, I felt the overall movie, though, as far as the movie, I felt that it dragged a little more than one and two. Oh yeah, big time. Yeah, oh, yeah. It felt, this one felt like two and two hours and six minutes. Yep. Um, I think the opera sequence played poorly. I think that was too much time at too the opera. Too long, way too long. Um, the gnocchi scene in general was gross. Like it wasn't even just the creepy, disturbing about cousins. It just was gross. Yeah, absolutely. It's disgusting. And I think, you, and I, I agree with you completely. I have the I put it as the Vatican stuff. But like it was a very complex, convoluted plot with the Vatican. I still don't understand. I still it. don't understand yeah. what the plot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I really like. I think this is, and I, I, my assumption, I may be wrong, and it's thirty years old, so whatever. I think Michael wanted to go to legitimate, but in trying to go legitimate, he tried to go legitimate with an organization that is just as corrupt as the mafia. That's what I got. It may be the closest thing to any form of like <laughs> understanding this plot. I, I I am with you. I don't I don't get it. 
that, that, that's all, that, that's my list though. Yeah. All right, what about you, Rye? I have straight up just the incest. Like, that's just <laughs> you're wrong, like you're like man. fuck every you're like fuck everything <laughs> else. The incest, like there's no reason for it. there just wasn't like. You could. There's a thousand different love angles you could have done. You could have done so many different things. No, that was. Just, and it's no. funny. I think the first time because Jenny saw the Godfather Part Three with me for the first time a few years ago, even she was like, "Aren't they cousins?" <laughs> and I'm <laughs> like, "Yeah, they're cousins, all right. <laughs> they're more than cousins." And then like, if I'm like, um, they kept saying like, if 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 you continue this, it's dangerous. I'm like, no, it's not just dangerous. It's fucking disgusting. <laughs> It's, it's gross. It's yeah. gross. Yeah. It's gross. And for anyone out there that listens that loves that stuff, good for you. But that's disgusting to all of us. Um, all right. So let's move on to our rest of our awards. That guy from award. Leo, what do you have? Okay. So it's I, I only know the guy from one other movie, but I remember when I saw the movie, I was like, wait, that's that's Mosca from 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 uh from Godfather's Three. Um Mario Donatoni. Um, he plays the cardinal in Wick too. I think I didn't. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, no, because he has like this really like gruffy, and his face looks like a fly. You're talking about the bull, like, the bulldog, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The one, the the so like the main, the main, uh, the main assassin at the end of the movie. Yes. Yeah, so he's like the little chubby. His eyes are a little bulgy. Uh, he's he's plays the cardinal in John Wick too. That's the only place I've ever seen him. I actually that. may have to go with that and change my pick. What about you, Ryan? I went with Vincent because I can't think of him from anything Aren't else besides Andy this. Garcia. Andy Garcia. I couldn't. I couldn't put my finger on it last night. Just off the top of the head, Ballers, Ocean, the Oceans trilogy. No. Oh, that's crazy! I, I've only seen like the one Oceans movie. I didn't watch Ballers. Oh man, yeah, Andy Garcia. Oh, I'm glad Jenny's not here. She loves Andy Garcia, except that chest hair, <laughs> but she loves Andy Garcia. <laughs> so I maybe she just tells you that you know because you can't get the chest hair. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe she actually <laughs> secretly loves it. <laughs> Imagine she just like low key loves that thing, and she like looks at pictures of Andy Garcia's just his chest hair. She's like, I wish Dave had this. <laughs> um, no, you know what? I'm going to go with what Leo said. I didn't even think about that because uh, I actually had a hard time with that guy from Award because I think everyone's done something. This was actually yeah. one of the hardest ones to actually pick someone. I mean, I was going to say Sofia Coppola acting-wise if that's where I actually ended up going because she ended up doing other great things, but... um. Yeah, I'm gonna go with you, Leo. I didn't even realize that was a cardinal from John Wick too. Um, yeah. There's no crying in baseball. I actually have one. I think Mary's death and uh, Michael's reaction, yeah. along with the final montage of him dancing with her, I think that really like. I mean, I wasn't bawling or anything, but it, it did bring a tear to my eye. Do you, uh, Leo? Do you have anything? Uh, it's funny. As a joke, I was gonna say anytime Sofia Coppola was on screen, but uh, <laughs> but. Uh, no, um, I think the montage. If, if you're going to pick a scene that like it resonated and it tugged on the heartstrings, the montage. I couldn't, so I'll be honest with you, I didn't feel the same way about her death because I never built an attachment to her death. Um, I was like, oh, okay, she's gone. All right, I get it. And I, his reaction was legit. I think Al Pacino's performance when she died is awesome. But I just, it didn't hit me enough to make me feel sad. But the montage at the end, I think, was pretty cool just because the music playing and everything. Nice. Uh, what about you, Rai? 
I actually have when uh, Pacino's in the hospital for diabetes and the kids visit him. You have, I think, the score hit me and everything like that. And plus the ending, like those two things together, like, brought at least a tear to my eye. Nice. Got me all a little weepy. Uh, Detlef Schrimm, sixth man of the film award. Who is your best supporting player in the film? Leo, take it away. I really hope you and I have the same person, bro. I don't think we will because no one mentioned her before. I have Talia Shire. Yes! My man! Yes! Yes, yes, I have Talia Shire. Ryan, tell me you have Talia Shire too. No, I have Connie. That is Talia Shire. Shire. (laughs) Yeah. My bad. So I, 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 I'll just say real quick. I think even though her character takes a really big shift in her personality from like one and two to three, I think she is so great in this film. And mm-hmm. compared to the other movie she's in this year, Rocky Five, I think um, this one knocks it out of the ballpark. I think she is sensational in this film. I agree. I totally agree. agree. I think like. Like the oh, you're right. I think the the I think her character's transformation had a big part because of the weird production issues this movie made had in the beginning. I don't know if her character arc was supposed to be that. I don't think so. But because of what it but but even though she's given this, I love like the strength he becomes. He becomes Michael pretty yeah. much at the end of the movie. She becomes the matriarch of the family. Yeah, I love it. I think she did amazing. I think every time she was on screen, I wanted more of her. But she, for her, I, I have I have six minutes. I actually really like the scene, and I don't know if you guys agree the um the scene where she gives the the oh my god, what kind of pa- the pastries to Atabello? Mm-hmm. And yes. she knows she, the cannolis. She knows he's gonna die, and that's her godfather. And I love the scene when she's looking at him dying, and she still shed a tear. I think that's so so good. She got robbed. I think she should have had a lot of more love during the award season. Um, Peaks and Valleys. Now, we forgot to bring this up last week when it comes to Goodfellas. I don't know if you guys peeped that when we were doing, uh, when I was doing a realist, and I'm like, wait a minute, we forgot Peaks and Valleys. Um, So if you have a quick one for Goodfellas, we can do both. I'm just going to say Ray Liotta is the peak, and Lorreen Brock is the valley. I did Uh, Joe Pesci for Valley. Interesting. So, okay, go for, ahead. For my peak, I actually have, um, and I think simply, simply because I hadn't really been too big on The Sopranos, I had Lorraine Bracco as my peak. Okay. Um, and my valley was Michael Imperioli. Oh, that's a that's a great one. That's a great choice. Yeah, you could go. I could go with both Lorraine Bracco for me or or Michael Imperioli. Yeah, the great choices. All right, now for The Godfather Part Three. Who is your peak, Leo? So it's funny. I you had a hard time with that guy. I think Peaks I had a really tough time with too. Um, I I was struggling to pick between Ford Coppola himself because I believe that after this movie, no one really knows much of what he did. He made Jack. Yeah, he's Jack exactly. <laughs> um, um, and I also was struggling with maybe even 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 Al Pacino because after this started this whole like overacting crazy Al Pacino. That we get like um, instead of like the softer, more nuanced, great actor Al Pacino. But, but I mean, to, to Pacino's defense, he still made The Insider, Donnie Brasco, yes. Devil's Advocate. He, he's oh no, no, yeah, yeah. He, he he still has had amazing like movies since then. But it's never it hasn't been like consistently like it hasn't been like a, a super fluid uh, line. Mm-hmm. I ended up so it's funny. 
and I think it goes it goes hand in hand proof of how um, how Ryan reacted earlier. I think Andy Garcia. Mm. Think about it. He he, got, he so he got nominated for the best supporting actor, right? Okay. He hasn't been nominated for anything since. I guess. Yeah. I would. I actually and at, and at the time of his career, he had made so many awesome films that he was like when he got Vinny Vinny uh, Vinny Corleone. That was like, one of the most sought after roles at, of the time. Oh yeah, big time. Um, but I think since then, Andy Garcia has had a very successful career. I'm not saying that he's been a nobody, but I don't think that it's been as like this. Yo, dude, you are one of the first names of the Godfather franchise. I don't know if it's been at that level. Okay. Uh, Rye, what do you have? Um, I have... Uh, hold on, sorry. For Peak, I have uh, Vincent again. And for Valley, I have Pacino because he still went on to do a lot more after this. I know he had a good career beforehand, but like, I have a really tough time on Peak and Valley on this one. All right. So for my... I will get to Valley in a second. For my Peak, I'm going to list movies. Twixt, Tetro, Youth Without Youth, The Rainmaker, Jack, Bram Stoker's Dracula. That is Francis Ford Coppola's filmography after The Godfather Part 3. I love that you and I were on the same wavelength, bro. Yeah. So I went with Francis Ford Coppola. I think, honestly, he probably stopped giving a fuck after Godfather. <laughs> I mean, I I, have, I I hear Dracula's the one that I haven't seen from here. Every, But I hear it's it's decent enough. Jack is not great. <laughs> and I've never even seen Youth Without Youth, Tetro or Twix, but he never reached the level of where he was after this. He's still one of the best directors maybe ever, but it's still, I think after that, it, it just went down here. Valley-wise, I actually went with Sofia Coppola. Same. So because after this movie, she realized that she needs to go into the family business. <laughs> And not be an actress. Oh, ironic. And that led her to eventually win an Academy Award for original screenplay for Lost in Translation, a movie that I really, really enjoy. So I think the decisions made after this movie just put Coppola on like, okay, she's she really did the best that she could. And she may be in the Oscar conversation this year. So, yeah, I went with Coppola for uh, My Valley. Now, last bit before we get into the uh, the fun facts of the film, Becky O'Shea Icebox Award. I went with Al Pacino and Andy Garcia as my two MVPs of the movie. I went with Pacino. You went Pacino. And then Leo? Garcia. Nice. I think Pacino gets such a bad rap with this movie because of the reputation the movie has. I think he's so good at it. So, so good. Mm -hmm. And I think it's right, like Leo, you mentioned before, it's right before he gets to the yelling, like the screaming type of Pacino roles. I think this is, this and maybe Scent of a Woman are the last two that he's very, for the most part, held in outside of hooah. So, yeah. So, Pacino's great in this. And let's get into our fun facts of of the film. Actually, before we get into that, I mentioned it last week as a tease. Who was better in their mob uh, film, Ray Liotta or Andy Garcia? Ryan. Andy Garcia. Andy Garcia. Andy Garcia. I'm glad that we're all on the same boat here. All right. So, similar to last week, 30 years, 30 facts. Number one, 
we mentioned Mary before, and I said I was going to get to it later. Do you guys know for uh, who was supposed to play her? So it's funny. I, uh, the research for this movie, it, it, it that was like a like a cursed role. Like yep. it, it went through like three different people. But like, I'll, I'll let you break the news. Yeah. So Julia Roberts was originally cast as Mary, but dropped out due to scheduling conflicts. Julia Roberts after Pretty Woman, I think she would have killed it. Madonna wanted to play Mary, but she was too old. Rebecca Schaefer was set to audition, but was murdered the day before her audition. Winona Ryder was the person that was the closest to playing. Winona Ryder dropped out of the film the last minute due to nervous exhaustion. I think Winona Ryder would have done a really, really good job because I think that's around the time of Edward Scissorhands, which... I will get into regarding Johnny Depp and the Godfather part three a little later. Yeah. I think Winona, Winona was coming off of Heather's. Too. Yep. It was yeah, right after it, Heather's. Yeah. This was like, this was like, and if, if that Winona was cast here, maybe incest, maybe a little more understandable. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you, I mean, it's not understandable, but it's like, okay, Winona looks really good. So yeah. Um, regarding Sophia's casting, the, uh, the director daughter, <clears throat> role Coppola was accused of nepotism a charge Coppola denies in the commentary track asserting in his opinion critics beginning with an article in Vanity Fair were using daughter t- his daughter to attack him more than anything um, something that he finds ironic in light of the film's uh, disdain by certain critics was that Mary Mary's character ultimately ultimately plays the biggest price for her father's sins Uh Coppola, actually, Sophie is the only character to play different characters in every single film. So, Sophia Coppola, do you guys know who she played in Godfather 1? Yeah, she's the baby boy, right? Yep, she's the baby boy in the baptism scene. Do you know who she plays in Godfather 2? Nope. All right, so in Godfather 2, she is a small immigrant in the scene where nine-year-old Vito arrives uh, at Ellis Island. And obviously in Godfather 3, she plays uh, Sophia. I mean, Sophia, uh, Mary. So three different mo- three movies, three different roles for Coppola. Did you guys notice a small cameo by another actor? Not, not an actress, but a director's mom that was in Goodfellas. <laughs> Rye? No? All right. So Catherine Scorsese, mother of Martin Scorsese, is actually in the movie. Leo, did you peep that at all? I didn't peek it at all. But when I was uh, when I was on IMDb trying to sort out my other lists, I noticed the last name. And I'm like, wait a second. Who's this? I'm like, oh, my Lord. She, so she's in the scene where Mike, where Mike, where Vincent and Mary go have coffee or go have uh, they go to like yeah. his like little lair or whatever they um, so she's, it's very, very quick. It's probably like maybe 15 seconds, but it's, it's a, it's a cool cameo. Um, <clears throat> Coppola's goal in making the final installment was to make Michael finally pay for all his wrongdoings. That's why the, the, the film was called the death of Michael Corleone. The original script had him dying in a car accident or by gunfire at the end of the movie, but the revised ending seemed much more fitting as a punishment to, to him losing his daughter rather than him dying, which I, I did like that. Yeah. Uh, the symbolic oranges are back in the movie. Do you guys know where in the movie the oranges are in? And do you guys know the story of the oranges? 
No and no. Okay. So the oranges <laughs> in The Godfather symbolize death of a character or someone being shot in the movie. Godfather 1, you have um, Vito buying oranges when he gets shot. In Godfather 2, I believe it's Hyman Roth eating an orange and he eventually gets killed. And then in Godfather 3, the oranges are on a table for the, the shootout in Atlantic City. Oh, wow. Now, you mentioned before that the role of Vincent Mancini was a hot one. Do you guys know who were in talks to play Vincent Mancini? Some heavy hitters. Heavy hitters. So here we go. Matt Dillon, Billy Zane, Nicolas Cage, Val Kilmer, Charlie Sheen, and Alec Baldwin. I think Alec Baldwin would have been, at that time, that Alec Baldwin would have been perfect. Definitely. He looked. Yeah, he looked the role. He looked perfect. I don't know. Next up, I don't know if you guys knew this, but the Vatican made it known that they were very opposed to the film story of church <laughs> corruption. They refused entry. They refused entry to the city after learning that the movie fictionalized the real life scandals of the Vatican Bank from 1978 to 1982, including the murder of John Paul I. Um, during Andy Garcia's fight scene in Vince's apartment, he insisted on using a real gun instead of a prop pistol, and he beat the stuntman so hard that he required stitches. Holy crap! The Joey Zaza character was based on two real uh, real life mob kingpins from the sixties and seventies. One of these kingpins was Joe Colombo, who em- who embarrassed others in La Cosa Nostra by maintaining a high public profile and hiding money uh, from other mafia kingpins. He was shot in public, similar to Zaza, during one of the rallies in an Italian civil rights league. Though, even though that's who they say, I personally think because of the time that the film was actually made in, I think it's more based on John Gotti. Because John Gotti rose to fame in the 80s. So I think it's more John Gotti than, than Columbo, or maybe a hybrid of both. That's where I personally go there. Um, I mentioned before the film's complex plot revolves around the efforts of Michael to fully legitimize his, uh, his family through the Catholic Church. Ironically, they're just as corrupt, corrupt as the mob. Uh, the film almost ended up with an NC-17 rating. A scene exists where one of Michael's bodyguards, Kahlo, killed Don Lucchesi by breaking his neck. Coppola decided to change his death to a much more bloody one. But the MPAA penalized the film with an NC-17 rating, so Coppola uh, removed a few scenes, and they got the rated R. Now, the original script had a different ending, and I want to get your guys' take on this. In the end of the film, and I think Leo's going to hate this, Michael and Kay reconciled after Mary's death. Ah! (laughs) Thoughts? Would you? Mean, you can see the building blocks when he takes her over to Italy. So you can see it. You can see it bubbling. But yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not for it. <laughs> I knew it. I fucking knew it. What about you, Rye? I'd be down for it. But I think it would have been a good little tie the knot thing. It, even though they get together, there's more to the ending. It dissolves to a church service sequence in which a gunman guns down Michael before getting shot, and it ends with Michael lying to Kay for the last time before he dies. Coppola decided against that and opted for the ending in the film. Pretty interesting, though. Like, if they were to end up getting back together. Because, all right, hear me out. And I, I think Ryan maybe agree with me. Leo may think I'm crazy. 
He slapped her in Godfather 2. Yes. That's wrong. But what else did he really do to her? He never cheated on her. He always blindly tried to look out for his family, even though he wasn't doing it in the correct way. What did he really do to Kay? Well, that, I think that's the point, though. It's not about what he did to her. It's the lifestyle that he chose. Granted, he was forced into that lifestyle because of what happened to his dad. But Kay never agreed to be part of that life. Like, much, like I know how we talk about, like, Carmela in The Sopranos. Yeah. Carmela was cool with it. She was like, you know what? I'm Italian-American, too. This is my lifestyle. I'm cool with it. That was not Kay's thing at all. Kay was like, nah, bro. I'm, like, part of this, like, educated class. I have very different lives. I am not signing up for this. I, I I see why she he never treated her badly. He was a he was a good husband and a good father, but it just was a different life. She wasn't about it. Um, I guess. I mean, you know what's funny about that whole um that whole scene uh, from Godfather One is that she leaves those kids in the middle of the street and she just gets in the car with Michael. No one ever, no one ever brings that up. She's just like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to get in this car. Fuck these kids. Um, but no, I get, I get your point. I just don't think he really did anything outside of him slapping her. I don't think he ever met any negative. He wished negative things on her. Uh, so moving on Al Pacino's silent scream that you see in the movie wasn't so silent. He cut out the sound because he deemed it too agonizing for viewers to, to witness. Uh, the silence ended up being Hallmark, although it was uh, not liked by critics. They felt they should have been just let out the, the complete scream. Um, Coppola wrote Michael Corleone's funeral, which is also rehearsed but never filmed, and said the film ends with Michael dying alone and abandoned by everyone. He tried so hard to keep the family together and ended up losing everything he loved. Next up, years after the film was released, Coppola revealed that Michael died in 1997. Mary died in the early 80s, which meant Michael lived in complete loneliness for 17 years. And remember what I mentioned about um, Robert Duvall before. Al Pacino was offered $5 million but wanted seven, plus a percentage of the gross to reprise his role as Michael. Coppola refused and threatened to rewrite the script by starting off uh, with Michael's funeral sequence instead of a film's introduction, Pacino agreed to do the five million dollars after. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, all right. <laughs> um, despite being in the film, Pacino did not agree with the portrayal of Michael in the film. He didn't believe that Michael would ever feel regret or remorse for his actions, especially the murder of his brother. What do you guys think about that? That's wild. I disagree, but he knows the character better, so I'll go with what he says. <laughs> So we talked about Robert Duvall before he was given offered one million dollars as opposed to Pacino's five. He was actually getting paid less than K. And I don't think that K is a more important character than Tom Hagen. I don't know if you guys agree. In part three, his role was supposed to be like a, a, a combination of Vinny and of Mary. So like, I, I don't know if it's like, he should have been paid more. Yeah. At least three. I'm yeah. fine with like, and it sucks because I guess they were on a tight budget, but if they didn't have such issues with budget, man, I, I can see this movie. Just picture it. We have Tom Hagen back and then we have Winona Ryder playing Mary. It's a different movie. Absolutely. All right, moving on. Sophia's, co- <laughs> just, oh man, 
Sofia Coppola had to redub about 20% of her original dialogue on the final cut of the film because after the premiere, uh, the press screening on December 12th, it was so disastrous that they had to redub her dialogue. Wow. According to an interview with Entertainment Weekly the following month, she said her greatest vocal challenges for the role were eschewing her Valley Girl accent and correctly pronouncing the name Corleone. That is, I got nothing. I absolutely have nothing here. Um, Francis Ford, almost done with the facts here. Francis Ford Coppola once admitted that he was still unhappy over the final result because of the lack of time on working on the script. According to him, he wanted $6 million for the writer, producer, and director fee with six months' work uh, and script writing. The studio insisted him that he gave him $1 million and he had six weeks to work on everything. Next up, the film, the first of only two trilogies to have three films nominated for an Academy Award for Best Picture. Do you know what the other trilogy is? It's a Ryan's favorite movies. Yes. Ryan, do you know what your favorite movies are? Um, I was going to say Star Wars, but I'm going to say wrong now. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Oh, fuck those movies. Hey! <laughs> you don't talk bad about Lord of the Rings. Oh, I talk bad about Lord of the Rings every chance I get. Ugh, I hate you. Uh, <laughs> I mentioned before Coppola had only a year to write and direct a film. This is this is why I have called down Miss Jennifer Gonzalez to join us for the final six facts, six facts of the film, and she will be joining us momentarily. Yay! I just I needed her take on some of these things that include Leonardo DiCaprio, and oh yes, I am so upset, and I left that for the last fact. Um, Al Pacino and Diane Keaton had dated on and off for several years, making making the first film making this the first film together after their breakup. This led to friction when they arrived on the set. However, they got through it and were able to get the film complete. In real life, however, it involved Keaton traveling back to New York City with Pacino for the funeral of his grandmother, who died um, during production. You guys probably notice this. Every movie in the Godfather trilogy begins with a lavish celebration of some kind. The first one being Connie's wedding, the second being Anthony's first communion, and the third being Michael's award from Pope, uh, Paul the Sixth. At the at the reception after the opening ceremony, Vincent bites Zaza's ear. Much later in the opera, when uh, during Anthony's performance. Uh, he is very amused when there's someone else's uh, ears bit. Do you know why? Uh-huh. So it is an Italian tradition or Sicilian custom that biting ear and drawing blood from another person means that you're fighting to the death. Shoot. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's why that happened. Now, remember when I mentioned Winona Ryder? I got two more facts here. Winona Ryder's departure of the film created a major fuss on set. Um, now, she arrived on set in Rome two days after completing her work on Mermaids. I've never heard of that movie. In Massachusetts and passed out immediately. Now, there is um, claims that she had a nervous breakdown and the drugs were involved. That her then-boyfriend Johnny Depp was having an affair and making her crazy. <laughs> Or that Depp talked her out of doing the film so she can appear in Edward Scissorhands. Oh, wow. So now 
I I jokingly joke with you guys about Edward Scissorhands, but fuck Johnny Depp. Uh, and as I mentioned before, on the set, writers replacement on untested Sofia Coppola's with devised choice. Next up, Paramount, Paramount Pictures tried to go ahead with the film for many years without Francis Ford Coppola, who refused to make another movie. Could you see this done without anyone else besides Coppola? No. The directors that were actually in line to do it were Sidney Lumont, Costa Gavaris, Alan J. Pakula, Robert Bennett, Michael Cimino, and Michael Mann. And the worst part about it, at one point, they were even close to signing Sylvester Stallone to direct The Godfather <laughs> and star in The Godfather Part 3. So I heard about the Sly thing, and I think I think Travolta was also attached to it, Yeah, too. so Sylvester Stallone <laughs> was going to direct Don Travolta in The Godfather Part 3. <laughs> what? And finally, why I wanted Jen here for this. Hey, guys. <laughs> Just hey, dropping Jen. in. Hey. The original, there was a plan for Godfather 4. Why? And I want it so bad. I want it so, so bad. Was it the female Godfather? No, no, none of that nonsense. Oh, then why Uh, am I here? It was supposed to be like Godfather 2. It was supposed to be a sequel prequel. Okay. The sequel dealing with Garcia reprising his role as Vincent during the 1980s, dealing with Mary's death and taking the Corleone pretty much a self-destruction like Michael. However, the prequel part of it was supposed to be Robert De Niro coming back as Vito Corleone in the 1930s and Leonardo DiCaprio playing Sonny Corleone. Okay, I guess. But but we're talking, so when would this... 1995, 1996. So I think that was like his Basketball Diaries area? Yes. That's like he's... He doesn't have that look, though, because if that's like 95, right? So that was pre-Titanic. So his hair, he's too young there, though. He, well, Sonny's supposed to be young. Well, he's supposed to be young, but I don't know. Sonny is James Caan, correct? Yes. Yeah. So uh, I guess. Pretty much the film was, it was almost made. It, they were, the script was ready and it just didn't, Garcia, Andy Garcia said that the film, it just, right before it got into production, it was canceled. I thought you would have a better, more of an opinion about Leonardo DiCaprio playing, being in The Godfather. Um, I mean, who would have directed it? Coppola. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Oh, well. I don't know. I feel like Leo wasn't, Leo's not ready for that. Like, I feel like Leo. Oh, he sure wasn't. I feel like Leo, not at that age wouldn't have been good inside this movie. But I feel like Leo, maybe 10 years after, because he still played younger people even when he was like 30, like when he was older. So well, and he's like 45 now, to, I think. And he still plays a little bit younger anyway. To his defense, roles. anything is better than Sofia Coppola. <laughs> you can't get any worse than Sofia Coppola in this movie. So, you know, but I guess. And then maybe, who knows, maybe he would have been like, but not really because Francis Ford Coppola... After really The Godfather, like how many other movies has he made? Oh, you you missed that part of the conversation. Yeah. So like- <laughs> <laughs> All right. So finishing off the last, this is just a bonus fact. The a Corleone brother dies in every single uh, Godfather film. Sonny oh. Godfather 1, Fredo Godfather 2, which I still hate, and Michael Godfather 3. Also, just dropping this, Fredo totally deserved to No, die. he did not. 
and that's another conversation for another time. He totally deserved to die, but we're not talking about that. <laughs> he did not. Not in Godfather 3. Then, then, then Henry Hill should deserve to die. No. He didn't die. He deserved to die. Uh, I don't know about that. And okay. then this is, as a Cuban, I would love your take on this. <clears throat> Many people felt that Garcia looked too Cuban to play an Italian, and they were against that or casting originally. I actually disagree with this only because Cubans can be any, like any color, let's say. And like a lot of Cubans are very olive skinned and Andy Garcia is very olive skinned. And I don't think his accent was super heavy. And if Al Pacino can play a Cuban and fake it in Scarface and not even be a great Cuban, then... Andy Garcia could definitely play Italian. Good point. Because the only good Cuban in Scarface is... Is Al Pacino. No, is Manolo, (laughs) who is actually Cuban. So it doesn't, you know, Manny. Poor Manolo. One day we got to cover Scarface, guys. uh, I think we'll cover Scarface That's the only good Cuban because he's authentic. Everyone else is not Cuban in that movie. And, yeah, that's, that's where I say. All right, perfect. So that pretty much wraps it up. Um, for our coverage of the Godfather trilogy over the last year. Next week, Ryan's been looking forward to this since he joined the podcast two years ago. Hell yeah. We're going to cover <laughs> the entire View Askew universe, starting with the celebration of the 25th anniversary of Mallrats, and then we're just going to cover everything, including Clerks, Clerks 2, Dogma, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Zack and Mary Make a Porno, and Jay and Silent Bob reboot. And one of my favorites, Chasing Amy. Will Jenny be on? That's the question that we'll find out next week. <laughs> Until then, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. <laughs>